When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about the House of Hades, chapters 17 through 24. So, I was complaining to Erin... <laughs> right before we started recording that um these frame chapters are annoying mostly because how we described mark of athena with all of the these other characters having their really useless quite weird side plots this is what it felt like especially with a in sandwiched in between like percy and annabeth it just felt like why is what is the whole point of this being four chapters long and we also, we didn't get any Frank in narrator in the last book, did we? It was just Piper, Percy, Annabeth, and Leo. No, I think there was Frank because he was like... Was there? <laughs> there's so Hold many. on. There's so many Hold characters. On. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. I'm gonna oh, actually, myself. I don't know. Because like Frank has to be weird about Leo and sammy and all their weird stuff going on oh yeah it was just annabeth percy leo and piper last book so we didn't get we haven't had any frank since book two weird because i was like oh i didn't really miss it and i love frank too which is funny Mm -hmm. but i just like i wasn't into these chapters very much it also could be that i'm tired but i was reading them and it just (laughs) continued to like the plot just like did not end. You think it's over, mm-hmm. and there's like, oh, another side story, and he's like, oh, and another backstory. And I'm like, please, dude. Like sometimes it's a nice break from the like sadness of Tartarus, but other times it's like we just want to get back to Percy and Annabeth. <laughs> we don't care about your little quest. <laughs> yeah, and I was hoping that the side chapters essentially would be focusing on building relationships. Like, how mm-hmm. the characters are standing without Percy and Annabeth, right? Like, how, like, developing Frank's maybe relationship with Nico, because, like, they yeah. don't really know each other. And, um, as we'll find out, Nico is useless, or knocked out, or, you know, you know all of the above for yeah. most of this chapter, these chapters. So it's just kind of frustrating, because he loves to do that, so that he can get Frank on a solo mission, Mm-hmm. And that's kind of boring because you have so many characters, and we all we're all about like the the interactions when you have that many. Yeah, characters. and the end of the last book, it was all like dancers, teamwork, <laughs> and then it was like just kidding. You solo missions. That's one place where I definitely like the like fandom idea of the seven better than how it actually is in yes. the books because I feel like there was a great opportunity for found family and it wasn't as strong as it could have been but no. the fandom does a great job of making these characters besties i know <laughs> Even they're, if like, they're not in the text it's beautiful they're like people are like oh my god how are percy and leo like they would totally be like laughing and joking i'm like they have only exchanged tense words like that's yeah. all that they've yeah. ever done yeah 
I like to imagine that they have fun. I know. <laughs> off, off screen, off page. And the idea of like they're all like seven best friends on a cool ass <laughs> ship flying through ancient Greece and ancient lands and like it's like, oh no, you're all fighting. <laughs> like it's so yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah. It they is a missed opportunity. Feelings. I know. It's all the same feeling too. Yeah, I don't even need them to be like best friends. I just am missing that like feeling of found family. I would like even... them to be best friends. I, would I need too. them to yeah. be best friends. Yeah. <laughs> I personally, personally require that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like a really jaded summary of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but basically, um, today, what we're going to be discussing is Frank, Hazel, and Nico running around Venice as Persebeth and our buddy Bob run around in Tartarus. Mm-hmm. The Annabeth chapters are great. I love those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, Percy and Annabeth's chapters can't miss because they literally cannot do, like, they have to focus on, like, their relationship yeah. and getting out of Tartarus. Like, there's two very clear plot points. And that's, like, all we want. It's yeah, exactly. It's a book about their relationship and angst. And so. angst, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Frank, chapter 17 through 20. Frank wakes up as a python. He somehow managed to change forms in his sleep, something he's never done before. I'm obsessed with that. He just like wakes up. Can you imagine, like, obviously they're children, so we're not going to imply that now, but later down the line, if he and Hazel are sleeping in the same bed, like, Hazel waking up and there's just like, you know a dung beetle in her bed with her. Like, I would lose my mind. <laughs> Incredible. In Animorphs, the only time they morph <laughs> uncontrollably is if they're allergic to the morph. So maybe he's allergic to uh, whatever. Pythons. Pythons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just using my factual knowledge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As he tries to change back into human form, he gets this horrible headache where Mars is screaming about defending Rome and Ares is screaming back just about like overall murder and also but like specifically about the murdering of Romans. There's also a lot of gunfire and explosions in the background and it's making Frank really dizzy and really hard for him to concentrate. In fact, it's been going on for a couple of days and it's essentially rendered Frank useless to the others. Naturally, because as we said, they're not actually friends. Frank hasn't told anyone what's going on because that would be too communicative. Similar to Leo's chapter, which I thought was interesting, Frank is mourning the loss of Annabeth, who had been kind to him. He's really, and even though Percy was his friend, like he doesn't even think about Percy this chapter. He's like, Annabeth, God, I wish she was here. Yep. Um, he's also really mourning her because now he has, to, he feels he has to like stand up and replaced her as military strategist and he doesn't feel like he's actually up for the job and it makes me realize that they're really only alive by the skin of their teeth because of Annabeth like she was like you know she's their engineer architect a strategist and you know mom yeah yeah (laughs) incredible incredible Frank gets himself together and dressed and armed with a bow and arrow. The voices start again, specifically wanting the death of Leo. Anytime Frank thinks about Leo, because Leo's been making a lot of tools, and he just, like, talks about Leo in his thoughts, um, Mars gets really mad. Is Frank in love with Leo? That would have been such a fun twist. I would have loved that. 
and or like even like I throuple it up like why not like it's an uneven number <laughs> of demigods it it's an uneven number of demigods and your frick is forcing everyone to get into a relationship why not yeah unconventional honestly yeah and they're all straight relationships please please <laughs> please yeah of the seven yeah so Frank has to basically steady himself because these voices are really loud and overall frank is pretty down and feeling really bad about himself and his contribution to the quest we've seen this we've seen this in literally everyone's chapters this is not a new feeling and if they just got in a feeling circle and all expressed that they were having the same doubts and insecurities and like you thought that you heard last book they had learned that teamwork and everyone's insecure and all this other stuff but no they still don't know frank doesn't know and he's really upset there, it, gets kind of, it gets kind of dark, too. He, like, he gets really down and bad about himself. But, you know. The Argo, too, has docked at a busy wharf on the side of Venice. The group has gathered and are staring at the dozens of shaggy monsters that are just walking through the crowds of the city. They're the size of cows with matted gray fur, skinny legs, and black hooves. Their heads hang low and their eyes are covered by their fur. The monsters go through the crowd just like licking the pavement and the tourists seem to just walk around them not caring. Why is that so cute? Why it's do I think so cute? cute. I think they're so cute. They remind me of like, um, have you seen like fluffy um, highland cows? Yeah. That's what I think of. Or just like, yeah, just like fluffy highland cows, but like kind of look like bisons. Ugh. And I'm like, I want to take one home. They lick the ground. They're like peanuts. So cute. So cute. (laughs) Jason says the mortals see them as stray dogs or pets roaming around, but no one on board can actually say what they are. They're like fluffy cows. I don't know. (laughs) They decide to try and ignore them as well and hope that they're peaceful because they're like, we don't want to just start firing into the crowd in case that they are peaceful. And also like the less that we can fight a monster that's the best. Obviously, Coach is not on board. He wants to start just, like, shooting cannons, but he's um, there just for comedic effect, so he quickly um, leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Useless adult figure on the boat. I know. Leo has the address that the demon flying monkey dwarves, remember them, had given him, and it says the Black House on Cali Freseria. Jesus wow. Christ. Wow, you're Italian. Are you <laughs> Italian? I'm actually Italian. Okay. You have to be like, Frezzeria. Frezzeria. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it says the black house on Cale Frezzeria Street. There we go. For you. Just for you. <laughs> Which is actually translated by Nico and um, this was like a part of my note because I thought it was so funny. Frank is like, oh, Nico, you do you know Italian? That's so great. Like trying to start, start a conversation. And Nico glares at him and is like, that's too personal. We're not talking about anything about me. My personal life is a mystery. And so he shuts him down and moves on. And I think that's so funny because we know his backstory. And Percy like quite literally saw his backstory with him. The only reason Nico gets to act mysterious is because Percy isn't Tartarus or person would yeah. just been like yeah he knows italian he's actually italian did you know that yeah his last name's d'angelo he had a sister named bianca she died <laughs> it was kind of my fault yeah do you know what a nerd he used to be it was so cute just like you know pull up baby pictures like he could have yeah. ruined it all 
Oh, but Nico needs... That's the only reason. That's actually why Nico let Percy fall. He's like, I need to stay mysterious. Sorry. It's like, this is pr- protect my cred, and I need you to be not here. Cred. Jason decides to stay on board with Coach to defend the boat from possible venti. Piper bows, bows out too, so Frank and Nico and Hazel decide to go. Um, it's also funny to mention, basically, Frank is terrified of Nico, and... Obviously, Nico doesn't make it easy by, like, mentioning the reason he's going with Frank is because he's like, oh, Venice is filled with restless and, like, evil spirits and, like, death. And he's being so grunge about it. And Frank is a scared little baby. So that doesn't help. And so they all head out to return the book to its owner. So chapter 18, Frank is happy to be holding Hazel's hand, but is unhappy with how hot and crowded Venice is. The fluffy monsters seem to be eating roots in between the stones, and so they're like, oh, well, they're vegetarians, and just kind of carefully walk around them just in case they, you know, just haven't noticed the demigods. Nico points them to an abandoned street with a bunch of the fluffy monsters and no humans. It's almost as if, like, mortals inherently know to stay away from that street. Hazel remarks that the place feels off and cold and they focus on like a townhouse at the end of the street. And they're like, that's probably the black house. Nico agrees that the street is actually filled with lemurs, which are <laughs> angry and restless spirits. And Frank is like, like the ones from Madagascar, the moon. <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, I would also ask that. <laughs> they're restless because they like to move it. Move it. <laughs> and this is where Frank learns that Nico is Italian and his mother met Hades back in the 30s in Venice. And the way that he learns it is basically Nico's like, oh, I know about the lemur, I'm going to call them lemurs, from my mom. And Hazel is trying to prompt Frank to ask more questions, to like have a conversation with her brother, Frank's soon-to-be brother-in-law. And um, also the fact, you know, that Nico needs practice talking to other living beings. (laughs) Just hilarious. True. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Let's like improve your conversational skills. And yes, it's still about murder and death, but you know, it's <laughs> at least it's someone who's alive. Anyway, um, something that I thought was interesting that's in my notes is when they're talking about this, um, Frank is being really sweet and responding well, where he's just basically like, oh, yeah, you know. We do whatever we can for the people that we love, even though it hurts. And Nico responds so bitterly, like, yeah, we do. We do sacrifice a lot for the people we love. And Frank starts thinking, he's like, I can't imagine Nico loving anyone. So maybe is this about, like, his family? Like, who does he love that he's feeling so bitter about right now? And I didn't I love rec- Frank looking at this tiny little emo kid and being like, this child doesn't feel love. What are you talking about? <laughs> he only feels pain and death and grunge. But what was so funny is like the first time, obviously, I read through this and the only time I've read through this, I did not pick that up mm-hmm. because I obviously didn't know what we find out later. And I was like, oh, I, what a weird thing to think. And I moved on. So yeah, like, that's nice, Nico. Yeah. But now it's, it's like, kind of oh. weird. I was like, that's kind of strange to think about someone, Frank. Like, everyone's capable of love. Like, leave him yeah. alone. Leave Nico alone. <laughs> so they head down the street, but Hazel seems to trip on a root. And that's like, 
coming out from under the like the stone, and it gains the attention of all the fluffy monsters on the street. The roots seem to be trying to grab the demigods, and the monsters want to eat the roots. Also, when Frank looks at the monsters, he feels nauseous, which is a fun bonus feature and must feel great with all the headaches he's also having. They try to run, but the monsters start charging, and Frank can't turn into any animals that really quickly because of the headaches, but he finally manages to turn into a lion. As a huge, ferocious lion, he turns a couple of the fluffy monsters to dust. Oh, also, the fluffy monsters can shoot green gas. So as Frank and Nico start destroying the last of them, Hazel is knocked out, of course, due to a blast of green gas to the face. Frank is thinking about getting Hazel back to the ship and away from the fluffy monsters. He's like, I'll turn into, there's a couple of them left. And Nico's like, just go without me. I'll leave me behind. It's okay. Just get her help. And so Frank is about to turn into an eagle and get her to the ship when a mysterious young man shows up at the threshold of the black house and tells Frank that his friends can, can't help Hazel because they don't quote-unquote know the cure. Frank then asks the man if he can cure Hazel and the man invites them inside the black house, which is ominous as fuck. Spooky. Spooky. Somehow they pack the rest of the story into the next two chapters, so hold on tight. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 19 is they run inside, and the man tells them to bring Hazel deeper inside, and her lips are starting to turn green. Frank is freaking out. He's like, I can't let her die. This is all my fault. Like, everything is horrible. The black house actually sounds quite lovely. The front is a greenhouse. It has exposed brick. Frank describes it as a combination of a garage, dorm room, and um, greenhouse. With like also like a computer room, which I was like, that's a lot to put into one house, but okay. <laughs> it has a huge garage door, a lot of computers everywhere. There's also a huge chariot with a python that's like sleeping on the side and holding one of the sides up. Frank puts Hazel on the bed and their host explains that the f- fluffy monsters are <laughs> called... <clears throat> oh no. Kato Bleepions. Pionis? <laughs> Well, this is a, this is a good one. It is the longest word ever, and I was going to look it up before. So give me a second. Pronunciation. Help me out. Hmm. This has a two-star review on pronunciation. Cobble. Po- I don't know. <laughs> okay. Apparently, that is not the right pronunciation. So look. Oh, I like one. that the singular is catobleps. I know that's, that's cute. Blep. That's so cute. It's because it's tongue. Oh, they're called catobleps pines. Oh, yeah, that's not how I would have gone, no. right? Okay, so nice. anyway, Frank puts Hazel on the bed and their host explains that the fluffy monsters are called catabolines. Nico remembers them now, conveniently, from Mythomagic, where then he and Frank have this like very adorable like human moment where Nico's like, well, they were part of the expansion pack. You probably didn't know. That's why you don't know. And he's like loses all goth points right there. Yeah. Frank's like, I've never heard of that. I played that game. And he goes like, well, you didn't get the expansion pack. Yeah. So you weren't into it as much as I was into it. He's like so embarrassed. He's like, when I was young. I'm like, you mean like three years ago? Yeah. 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 
So they have poison breath and a poison gaze, which I think is really fun. I would love to have that power. Mm -hmm. They were accidentally smuggled into Venice from Egypt. And that's the whole story that they insert in here that I'm not going to subject you guys to. And normally they ignore people, but not demigods, specifically demigods that stand in front of their food. When they casually mention that Nico is the son of Hades, the host flips shit and starts freaking out. Saying that he had smelt them. He's like, I should have known. You smell funny. I would have never let you into the black house if I knew you guys were the children of Hades. And I'm no longer going to help Hazel. When Nico draws his sword to challenge this fact, the host turns him into a potted plant. He's a five foot tall potted plant. And so that's when Frank remembers that they are dealing with a god. And this is Triptolemus. And he's the god of farming. You know, menacing. Farmersonly.com. So, <laughs> he aided Demeter when she was desperately looking for, for Persephone after she was kidnapped mm. by Hades. So, um, obviously, you know, he has a grudge against Hades because he really liked Persephone. And also, he knows that Demeter doesn't like Hades, and he's mm. choosing to side with, you know, the woman who essentially granted him godhood. So... There's that. And then, unfortunately, I was like, oh, I can skip past this random long-ass snake story. But then it comes back. So I like that in your notes it just says, explain <laughs> the stupid snake story. I got really tired of typing. I've been on the computer <laughs> typing all day, and I didn't want to type this whole story out. So, basically, Trip, apparently how his friends call him, so I'm going to be what his is friend. What, is he a frat boy? He's a frat boy, Trip. A skater boy, I would say, more than frat boy. Oh, um, okay, okay. And though farming, I don't know where that lands. The farming? That the doesn't farming. feel skater boy to me. It doesn't feel fratty either. I don't know. The It's like the, the country frat boys, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, at one point, so Tripp's chariot is basically driven and maneuvered by a snake so basically he's able to travel from person to person and educate them on farming because he has two snakes that power in his chariot and one of the sons of hades back in mythology ended up getting into a fight with him and killing his right snake and so now he's grounded and now because he's grounded the only way that he um, is able to spread the word on farming is he has a, a good learning, word of farming. A good word of farming he has a online like farming learning system and so it's farmers only it's farmers only but not for dating it's for mm. learning about crops anyway so that's the snake story he tells all of this to frank by the way and he's about to turn frank into a plant as well when frank shows him the book they came to return it's actually trips almanac hmm. which i was like i don't know what that is do you know what that is an almanac when yeah. did they get an almanac? Oh, do you not remember? So when they were fighting the monkey, that's, should, that's oh, a good reminder. They, they stole a book and were told to bring it to this place, right? Yeah, so the the dwarves were had stolen this from Trip, and they found it in his stash, and they were like, we should probably return it to its owner. And basically they were given the address to return to its owner because... That's something that they decided to do. Okay. So yeah. it's his farmer's almanac? It's his farmer's almanac. And Hecate mm-hmm. basically told them that, like, Trip would help them out in their fight against Gaia. Not really, but kind of alluded to it. 
And um, Frank mentions that she's, he's like, oh, you know, Hokage sent us, which scares Trip a little bit, but not enough for him to be interested in healing Hazel. Mm. Um, where I was like, basically, we love a god who adapts well. Like, he adapted to the fact that his chariot was broken. He's like, 21st century online, yeah. worldwide net. I'm sure he has a lot more subscribers than... Yeah. Yeah. He would have He's hit live run around chariot. I know. No one's forgetting him. <laughs> no one's stopping farming. They're just going to mass produce it. Yeah. Yeah. The robots will farm. <laughs> um, Trip suggests that in exchange for curing Hazel, releasing her and Nico, Frank has to stay behind and take up farming. Frank's like, hmm, good offer, but I'm going to counter it with, what if I fix your broken chariot? He also throws in, like, if I fix your broken chariot... Um, you have to aid us in defeating Gaia's forces. And Trip agrees, saying that if Frank fails, his friends will die and he will be turned into a patch of crops. Hmm. All right, so last chapter. Hold on, we're almost there. So chapter 20, Frank is miserable. He doesn't know how he can fix a chariot. He's basically going through a lot of self-doubt. He thinks about just throwing himself in front of the monsters. He's like, it's my fault. Hazel is dying. I'm useless. She's going to die because I can't do anything. It's a lot of of self-doubt and just hatred to himself, which is never fun to read. He thinks about running to the ship and getting Leo's help. But part of him knows he has to do it himself, and he also knows this is an opportunity for him to prove himself. What Frank about rem- teamwork? <gasps> teamwork is dead. It's died. <laughs> they did it once, then <laughs> in the last book. Percy and Jason teamed up once, and then they're done. <laughs> yeah, they're done. It's, it's over. They're constantly going to split up, constantly going to have one to two members of the team knock out and then have a yes. solo mission. Yes. Yes. It's the formula. Frank remembers something about Mars and serpents, so he asks the voices in his head, which are still screaming about it. There's the story of Cadmus, which comes back to him. The demigod Cadmus killed a dragon that also happened to be the son of Ares, which Frank oh. is like, how did that happen? How did Ares produce a dragon son? But then, you know, he's like, can't think too much about it. It's going to mm, break yeah. his brain. And as punishment, Ares turns Cadmus into a snake. So Frank's like, okay, cool. My dad has the ability to turn enemies into snakes. So he asks his dads, which I like the idea that there's two of them, if he can mm-hmm. help turn like one of his enemies into a snake and if he can use the snake. The arguing Ares and Mars do not think he's worthy enough to ask for such a boon. And like, unlike Horatius, who's like, they're both agreed as like the best demigod son. Frank vows to prove himself and Ares Mars tells him to cleanse Venice. For the first time in days, Frank can think clearly, and he's like, I'm going to do my task. So um, I'm just going to call them our cow friends, because I don't like them. They're full-ass names. Frank baits our cow friends by finding and chopping up their food and just harassing their food, and they start coming closer. He ends up creating a lasso out of the weeds that they eat and wrapping it around himself. Then he turns into a lion. He kills a couple of the fluffy cows and runs through the city, attracting more and more of them as he passes one each by. He turns back into a human, kills a couple more, turns into a dolphin, swims in the canal. This repeats for a while. He gets them all on a wooden bridge, finally. No, dolphins in the canal. Nature is healing. <laughs> God, nature is healing. Remember he like, talks to the, Yeah, God. And then it became it such a meme. 
was, yeah, he was actually trying to kill all these cows. He was actually murdering the livestock. <laughs> Nature is healing. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, he gets them all on this wooden bridge, and then his vision goes red. He slices through all of the monsters, somehow unharmed and getting a burst of energy. He finally, at the end, when all of the monsters are somehow dead, he finally shouts at Mars that he's proved himself and he asks for a fucking snake. He's like, all I want is a snake. <laughs> There's one little fluffy cow left and when Frank charges and slashes it, it turns into a python and Mars appears. He congratulates Frank on a job well done and somehow what tries to comfort a very distraught Frank who's like, I just <laughs> slaughtered so many relatively peaceful like monsters. Like, yes, they're monsters, but they're not the worst monsters I've ever killed. And the only reason I'm fighting them is because Hazel is dying. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's, he's, he's really torn up about it. And Mars is not helpful. He's like, well, you were defending your bridge. And Frank's like, I literally just wanted a snake. Like, it had nothing to do with the bridge. <laughs> and you just, like, go to Petco or something. I know. You really could have. Um, it wouldn't be a python, but. <laughs> he never specified python. Frank was just like, yeah. I just need a fucking snake. <laughs> As Mars is trying to comfort him, he kind of starts turning into Aries. And so Mark... Mark. Mark. <laughs> Just start calling the gods, like, really boring names. <laughs> oh, Zeus is Zach. Hera's <laughs> Helen. Um, Aphrodite is going to be... Hmm. Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Poseidon is Peter. <laughs> Just like Mark. Just Mark. Mars is Mark. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry. Okay. Hades is Hank. Hank! Oh, yeah. man. I like the idea of, like, very, like, Anglo-Saxon names. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Anyway, before we dive real deep down that <laughs> rabbit hole. If you have a boring name, send <laughs> yeah. it in and we'll yeah. add it. No names are boring. Just names that we've, you know, when you've known, like, I've known a lot of Marks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> this is a formal apology to I'm all the Marks. I'm so sorry, Mark. Mark, we love you. Please, please, please don't don't click the exit button. We love you, Mark. Don't leave us. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <clears throat> so, Mars starts turning into Aries, and Mars tells Frank to run away. He's like, just take the snake and go. This is not going to be pretty. As he runs away, he sees the Mars Aries kind of erupt into a mushroom cloud and disappears as they scream like, no. And Frank's like, I don't know what that is about. I do not have time. So he runs away. <laughs> Frank presents the snake to the farmer god, and it goes to the chariot immediately and settles nicely. He's like, kind of thinks it's weird that the farmer god has shrunk in his time away, but he doesn't think much about it. Trip is still being really cagey and a bit annoying, and Frank has no patience. He grabs the god and pins him to the wall until he promises on the river sticks to heal his friends. After mixing some herbs together, Hazel wakes up and is shocked to see Frank, who's apparently turned super hot. He's gotten... <laughs> fit he's gotten really bulky he's like my gut is gone i'm like now a couple inches taller and trip says it's actually a blessing for mars nico turns back into a human and is confused why frank is hot now but 
Frank tells Trip to explain how they will survive the House of Hades, and so they are told that they, when they arrive to Epirus, they will be presented a chalice to drink from, and it will be filled with poison, but they have to drink it. Basically, the poison will connect them to the land of the dead and will let them pass through the lower levels. He suggests that in order to survive the poison, they should eat barley cakes before drinking the poison so he can absorb the worst of it. You know, when you like get a friend, like a friend is really drunk, so you should start feeding them bread so you can get them home. Not just barley cakes, barley but like cakes. just you trying yeah, to get yeah. some carb and carbs in their body so you can get them home. That's the same yeah, vibe. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, just, you know, soak it up. And then the god is like, pieces out and is off on his new chariot to go spread the word afar. Good for him. Good for him. Frank tells Nico and Hazel how he got his blessing and they're all really sad for him. It's not like, oh, I did this amazing thing. Basically, Frank's like, I had to kill the rest of the cows. And Nico's like, that's so brave. You faced the last seven of them that we had in that herd that was following us. Frank's like, no, I killed 300 of them. (laughs) And they all feel really bad for him because they know that this is something that's changed him. And it was not something that was brave in the sense of he had to do it because the monsters were attacking him. He had to make a choice and he was very violent and now he's never going to be the same again. He had to choose to like sacrifice his own innocence to save his friends. Yeah, and so as a reward, I I know, as a reward, Mars made him hot. I honestly kind of hate that. I liked that Frank was like an awkward kid of Chubby, yeah. was like not super violent. I liked that for him. I, I will mean, say, oh, you go was, for it. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, like, I do like, like, you know, we've shat on his, right, you know, his characterization this episode quite a bit, but I do like that Rick takes a character who is very opposite of the gifts that they are given and expected of and has to, like, find a way to mold themselves into becoming that version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, with Piper and being the daughter of Aphrodite, like, she had to find her own niche in beauty and love. Yeah. The same thing with Frank. is like, he's, like, super soft and sweet and he has to find a mold of war. (laughs) So it's, like, a bit rough, Yeah. I mean, I like, I always like when there's a character that's, like, forced to make a violent decision or something to save, like, the people they love or whatever. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, the softest character on the team. Um, I just feel like there's an opportunity here for this to be deeper, where, like, if Frank really faced, like, repercussions on his, like, moral compass and everything after this, but I feel like... And maybe he does, but I don't remember it being a big point of contention for him outside of these chapters. Like, maybe he thinks, like, oops, I killed cows. But I would like to see, like, a dark... <laughs> I want Frank to get depressed about it. You know, just <laughs> well, that's actually... <laughs> Go darker. I guess it's a middle grade novel. But well, I actually kind of complained about this. Not. I think I would have liked to see that more than this this ego bruising thing that they're all doing. I'm like, I'm so tired of every single POV being like, I am the worst. I have nothing to offer the team. I would love to either, like at least Frank's is like a little bit more diverse in the sense of like, or it could be if he went down the road that you're talking about, where it's more about like, who have, who have I become? And like, what does that mean for who I want to be rather than I'm just bad at my job 
And Mm -hmm. I would even love like a chapter where like it's just Jason's POV and he's just like, I'm the hottest and I'm the best. Like I would love Jason if he was just annoying that way, like almost satirical. Because it's just we like playing that. Themselves. <laughs> we just a little bit. I'm begging you. The only reason Annabeth and Percy aren't like so down, like hating themselves, is because they're just trying to survive. So that's yeah. the only. But even before in last book, like um, Annabeth didn't have a lot of doubts because she was like just her doubts were more of like I'm trying to just make it but percy was in the same boat where he felt like he should have been stepping up more that he was being useless because he was supposed to control the sea and he wasn't controlling it and so it's just kind of it's been done at this point and so that was one of my notes and then my last note is if the mortals see they see the fluffy monsters and they see them Mm -hmm. as dogs do they see frank just murdering (laughs) a bunch of stray animals (laughs) but frank's also as a lion like do they just see like a car running over the top it's so sad do they not react and no one is reacting tourists are just like stepping to the side and moving on to the mist Mm, i know i guess it's doing its best I always like it in my head. Frank's like power up. It's like he ate a mushroom in Mario. He's got dogs. And then he looked like hot Squidward afterwards. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Rick couldn't write that word for word, so he had to describe it, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm elevated. You know, I got the message. (laughs) (laughs) You saw in between the words and you saw what it really meant. Yeah. 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 It's called analysis. Maybe we should try it sometime. (laughs) All right, that's all for me and Frank. It was a long chapter, but thanks for bearing with me. All right, now for the fun chapters. (laughs) Don't know if I called them fun, but it's Annabeth. Annabeth, the chapters 21 through 24. Chapter 21 opens up with Annabeth thinking about how weird everything has been. And she thinks that she's, that if she dies, it's not going to be because of like the poison air and the hunger, but it'll be of the weirdness. Which like, Mm. same, I guess. Bob has been leading them through the wasteland and they've been living off of fire water. Annabeth tries for some light conversation with Bob. She asks him how he got to Tartarus and he's just like, I jumped because Percy called my name. And (laughs) Annabeth is like, wow, that's a lot. And since uh, Percy, Talia, and Nico left him in the underworld in their side quest in the, like, the Sword of Hades short story, I think that's what it was called, um, mm. they, Bob has just been acting as a janitor for Hades, like, that's what Hades had him doing since he lost his memory of being a titan. And Annabeth is worried that Bob might remember who he is and turn on them, because he seems to have some memories of Tartarus, but doesn't recall how he got there. He just, like, knows where things are, but doesn't remember how, because he had been in Tartarus as a titan. Um, And so she's worried that he will get more memories back the more time they spend in Tartarus. But for now, he's just their helpful janitor friend. (laughs) Bob takes them to what he calls a rest stop. At the top of a ridge stands a ring of broken black marble surrounding a dark stone altar. It is a shrine to Hermes that conveniently fell into Tartarus. (laughs) And Bob tells them to get some rest here while he guards them. And this is because it's the last, he says it's the last good place for a rest for a long time. 
Uh, Percy says that he'll take the first watch, and Annabeth drifts off to sleep. And we get chapter 22. Sleeping in Tartarus is terrible. Uh, basically, her demigod dreams, she describes them as, like, way worse than usual. She has traumatic nightmares, including a memory of Talia dying and turning mm-hmm. into a tree. Yeah. And then a vision of Reyna, who speaks with Athena's voice, uh, standing near Camp Half-Blood as Gaia attacks. And the voice of Athena through Reyna tells Annabeth to hurry, that a message must be sent, and that the Romans must, or the Roman, referring to Reyna, must bring me... Referring to the statue, presumably, Annabeth wakes to find out that Percy let her sleep through through her watch, which against her wishes, which is like one of my favorite tropes. I'm such a sucker for like that, and like every single like YA book, I feel like it's always like, "Wake me for my watch," and then it's like, "I let you get rest. You were sleeping too peacefully," and it's just too cute i, I love the handle it alternative version where percy is just like knows annabeth is just like a really violent waker and didn't want to deal with it so he just like was like i'd rather not deal with it good night yeah yeah he's like i'm just hanging out with bob i know why not? we're having a good chat right now actually so when she wakes up she finds out percy's like i was too excited to sleep because there's pizza which is really pure there were apparently the burnt offerings to Hermes that are from Camp Half-Blood show up here sometimes, and they have accrued a collection of bits of food that the campers scraped off their plates. Bob prompts them that they need to go, like Annabeth tries to eat a little bit, and Percy's been apparently snacking this whole time, that's why he didn't wake her up, he's like, <laughs> I want all the food. <laughs> he was tired of the fire water, and was like, pizza's so it's much fair. better. It's fair. <laughs> Um, And Bob says that there are giants and titans pursuing them who will be there soon. While Annabeth was asleep, Percy clued Bob in more on their quest to the doors of death, and Bob says that he must take them into the Darklands, a place that would require Percy and Annabeth to hide using death mist. Which I was like, Jesus. It's like the next thing after the the spray will mist from the movie. It's like Nico's version, death mist. It's just in a black bottle with a spell on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually perfume. Um, And Bob says that a lady can give them death mist if they can avoid night with a capital n Mm. uh, which doesn't really mean anything even annabeth doesn't really know what he's on about so they go off as percy says to see a lady about some death mist which i thought was funny Mm -hmm. um but not before annabeth gets an idea she needs to get a message to rachel who will hopefully pass that message to reyna and she thinks that if she leaves something and the altar and burns it it could end up back at camp half-blood And here we find out that Riptide can actually write, which Percy had never tried before. Like, Annabeth is like, can your pen write? And Percy's like, I don't know. (laughs) And I love that. Percy has never, ever needed to use a pen in his life. He only uses swords. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I normally just smash, like, I just slice things. If I I have to write, I'm like, no, I'm just gonna slice it. Yeah. Uh, This is, again, like, in the last... Frank chapter and the Leo one where they were like, we are nothing without Annabeth. <laughs> so is Percy. Percy's no one nothing. is anything without yeah. Annabeth. She tells Percy that she must send a re- message to Rachel, which like, despite everything, makes Percy nervous. <laughs> like she says he gets kind of like, why? <laughs> and I'm obsessed with the idea that Percy thinks like, what? what is he, even though Annabeth says like she's friends with Rachel now, like does Percy think anytime they talk, they're like, Talking about how bad of a boyfriend he is or something. 
I love the idea that he just has like severe PTSD of Annabeth just losing her <laughs> shit. Jealous Annabeth. Um, yeah. He's like, that was so scary. I don't even yeah. if we even mentioned the word Rachel, she might lose her mind. Yeah. I like that she's trying to send a message from Tartarus and Percy is like nervous, like, are you gonna talk about me? <laughs> See, this is the egotistical thinking I was missing. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Percy. Thanks, Percy. <laughs> so Annabeth writes a note, but we don't get to see exactly what she wrote, and addresses it to Connor, which is who is one of the sons of Hermes, the like leader of their cabin, um, to give it to Rachel. And she burns the message, and then they head off. So chapter 23... Oh, also, I had a note on this. Did you know that people ship Connor and Annabeth based off that one note? <laughs> it's not interesting. That is so interesting. People like to reach. They're like, what if she was like, I'm stuck here with the other guy, but I've always loved you, Connor. I, I'm really in love with you. That's why I'm sending you this message. God. <laughs> oh, it's funny. People are interesting. Mm-hmm. So chapter 23. On their way toward the Darklands, Annabeth stumbles over a monster reforming in the ground zit. It's Hyperion, I know. That's like how they describe it, though. So it's Hyperion, the Golden Titan, one of our old enemies who dueled Percy in the Battle of Manhattan in the fifth book of PGO. And the sight of this titan seems to trigger some distant memory in Bob. He looks like he recognizes Hyperion, who Annabeth realizes, like, was his brother. Bob notes that Hyperion looks like him, but gold instead of silver. Percy explains to Bob that some monsters are bad and some are good, and that this was one of the bad ones. Bob is still, like, really struck by the fact that he looks like himself, um, or that the, the... titan looks like him mm-hmm. but still bob swipes with his broom well percy tells him like hey man it's up to you like it's your you're a titan this is a titan and you should decide what you want to do about this one but this one was really bad and you're good and then bob is like i am good and swipes the broom at the titan to kill him to finish it's like before he finishes reforming and interestingly here annabeth is like studying percy and she finds it weird how He's so calm when he's telling this to Bob, and she's wondering if he manipulated Bob into doing that by telling him, like, it's up to you, but you're good, and this is a bad one. So, like, whatever you want to do, but, like, you're good. Like, trying, like, she wonders if that's, like, on purpose, and it makes her uncomfortable because it's so different than the Percy she's always known, and it's, like, a little taste of the dark Percy there. Well, it's interesting because Percy's whole thing is that he's always, like, upfront with everything like even mm-hmm. in like pjl series he always tells everyone mostly what he's thinking and it's mm-hmm. always been a useful tool to him so yeah. i don't know if it was out of manipulation but he's basically he's like okay this is what the truth is at this moment i'm presenting yeah. it to you and it's interesting that she i think she wouldn't have thought that way about him if she hadn't seen him be like dark percy with um yeah what was it arachne arachne like right before yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. she would have been like oh percy's being percy and he's being really good about explaining the situation in a way that bob might understand in a way that's not going to put us in harm's way but now that she knows that there is this version of percy it's very interesting yeah and like percy normally is so upfront and like they both are withholding the information that like percy was literally there when bob became bob and they know everything about him and they're just not telling him that. And 
I think normally Annabeth would withhold that, but Percy wouldn't normally. So she's like, what's going on here? It's interesting. And then chapter 24, they continue along and Annabeth notes that her thoughts are growing darker and it's the she knows it's the effect Tartarus has on her. She starts to think that it's her fault they're there, her fault that, like, Percy followed her, and if he dies, it's her fault. And she, like, doesn't say any of this, but, like, Percy can tell that she's really anxious and in her head, and Percy's worried about her. So, like, it's an, I don't think it's affecting him mentally in the same way that it's affecting her. But then they find a random skeleton kitten in Tartarus, and so I guess that cures all of her bad thoughts. Um, <laughs> which Annabeth knows could totally be a monster or something in disguise, but apparently Annabeth is like a, a stealth cat lady and doesn't want to hurt it. We didn't know this about her. I feel so like she like, just loves animals. Like, that was the same yeah, way in the does. first book where she... With Cerberus. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, like most anxious people, she decides to adopt the decrepit cat. <laughs> and Percy is like, I actually recognize this cat. And we get another callback to uh, Titan's Curse. This It's one of the ones from the Smithsonian when Atlas tried to raise skeleton warriors but accidentally raised skeleton kittens from like the saber tooth tiger tooth instead of the dragon tooth the first time. And he had told his, like, minions to get rid of it, and they're like, I guess they just threw the kittens into Tartarus, and <laughs> it's still a kitten. And so Bob picks it up and is like, I'm adopting this and I'm naming it Small Bob. And Amazing. they become a group of four. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a nice moment of levity. Hmm. So then they all enter some kind of forest, and soon Annabeth senses something above them. Monsters drop out of the sky, which at first Annabeth mistakes for furies. <laughs> Every time I think furries. Okay. The creature is a wrinkled hag with bat-like wings. That's so mean! He's <laughs> like, you're a hag. You're, you're kind of ugly. Annabeth is like, you're kind of ugly. You must be a fury. Like, geez, those are some <laughs> ugly ones, too. So mean to the furies. Um, and... They have glowing red eyes and wear a tattered dress of black silk and have a twisted-looking face. But she knows that there are only three Furies, and there are dozens of these, so they can't be the Furies. So she just asks them what they are, and they say that they're the Ari or the Curses, and they want to curse Annabeth and Percy a thousand times in the name of Mother Night. Mother Night. Mommy Night. Mommy night. <laughs> mommy. Mm. Mom Annabeth was big mommy, spider mommy, mommy. This is a, a, lot, of a lot of mommies. Gaia is earth mommy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Grand mommy. <laughs> <laughs> there are these so tags, many, you, know. you know, lots there of are tags. <laughs> All the different mommies. <laughs> <laughs> My only note that I didn't get touch on is that I think one of the reasons this is a fan fave, obviously because of Persebeth in this, is beautiful and great and it's like stressful to read and cathartic in that. Um, but I also like, there's so many callbacks in the Persebeth chapters. Like they're so, they're both really reflective on, and they meet so many old enemies and I really love that we get them facing consequences for things that they did in PJO. Like, mm -hmm. you know, or, or things that the villains did in PJO. Like, you, you find out, like, hey, this random skeleton cat that you didn't think anything of that was made in this war, like, ended up down here. Like, there are a ton of just, like, 
people and monsters and stuff that were affected. And then we're going to the curses, which I remember from the next, will be in the next episode, is all about, like, the things that they did in, mm-hmm. that they were cursed for, that they did to monsters or to non-monsters like Calypso. Um, so I find that very cool. And you don't yeah. see that a lot in, like, this age range of books. Of no. Calling back to things that happened so long ago and facing consequences for it. I like it. We love consequences. I love consequences, <laughs> but not for myself. Not for myself. <laughs> I am immune. Yeah, I'm actually immune to that. All right, ready for some <sighs> lightning bolt questions? Yes, indeed. Okay, so this one was not, it's not the best one, but I also would like us to think about it. Could you personally, Erin, oh, slaughter God. 200 of the uh, fluffy cows if your significant other was dying and it was the only way? Okay, so I don't think, I think I could if it was the only, like it was the only way, hmm. but it would be like my last, like I would really try to think of another way to do it. If the, I was just slaughtering them for like, people I didn't know that well, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you would let the people die? For the cows, the fluffy cows. So you would vegetarians. Let, you would, so you're saying, like, you know, some animal rights are more important than people. I mean, there are some Unless they are important that, yeah. to you. Well, okay, that's a pro- that is a problem. I would do it, but I would be much more chained. Like, I would be, like, I would become Dark Aaron. Yeah, no, I would definitely just curl up into a ball. I definitely wouldn't become hot because of it. I, I would like that's, not get hot. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely like a like rubbing the cow's faces in it. It's like not only did I slaughter all of you, I became hot because of it. See, I guess that's something that would make me more willing to do it is the fact that the monsters just reform. Yeah, that's so true. So I wouldn't really feel that as guilty. Like, it wouldn't be nice to look them in their eyes and murder them. Yeah. But... If I could turn into, like, a, a lion while doing it, I think that would be a little easier. Because you're like, oh, just pray dry. Like, that's all it's happening. it's not like you. Yeah. yeah. It's the lion. <laughs> and would you do it? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, but I, again, would not let myself get hot. I mean, actually, no, that'd be kind of nice to become hot, personally. I mean, yeah, it's a nice bonus, but yeah. I think... I'd get hot, but I'd get, like, crazier. Yeah, you know, hot and crazy. It's the... Hot, crazy scale. <laughs> there we go. Be off the scale with the craziness. I know. I would definitely be, like, full of darkness afterwards. I but know. I'd Gaia do... would just, like, stop the war because she would just not want to interact with me anymore. She'd yeah. be like, this is just, like, too much. She's a bit too crazy. She has, like, a lot going on right now. Yeah. I just don't want to... <laughs> Um, another dark question. Oh, I was like, what did, well, because Annabeth spends a while in this chapter, like, talking about the awfulness of Tartarus, like, how hungry they are and thirsty and how weird it is and her evil thoughts and the air smells like eggs, sulfur, and base and the monsters also. And so I was like, what do you think personally would be the worst part of Tartarus for you when you're down there? What would you struggle with the most? Um... I mean, the monsters wouldn't be great, but definitely the evil thoughts. Right? That's yeah. what I'm saying, too. I've always thought, it makes me think of um, the seventh Harry Potter. I've always thought I would be real susceptible to those horcruxes, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I would be like, I would, I would turn crazy. 
Like spiraling when you're sad is just such a mm-hmm. specific like especially if you're hungry too. Yes. I was just thinking about that is like when Annabeth is like thinking about like if it's if Percy dies, it's all my fault and like spiraling mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, yeah, that's how I get when I'm like sleep deprived or hungry. Like yeah, I just like, become a bit of a monster to myself. Yeah, that happened like that happens like once a week. So if I was in Tartarus, like Yeah, it would be horrible. Yeah. And yeah. Hmm. That would definitely be the worst. Percy's yeah. lucky. He's. I mean, I guess he kind of does have some darkness that he taps into here, but his Annabeth is deals more with violent. The anxiety. Yeah, yeah, it's outwardly violent. Yeah, exactly. Annabeth is inward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. The other question we got <laughs> is more lighthearted. Um, we got this one on Instagram from. Benoid Humanoid Alien, which is a great Amazing. Amazing. Um, asking if we'd rather have celestial bronze, imperial gold, or stygian iron for Ooh. our demigod weapons. Celestial bronze for sure. I feel like imperial gold mm. is too flashy, and celestial bronze okay. has like that aged vibe, where imperial gold is like shiny and new. Yeah, I feel like I want to say celestial bronze because it's like the Camp Half-Blood, the Greek demigod one. Mm. Bureau of Gold would be pretty. Stitchy and Iron would be cool as, like, a yeah. little dagger in the darkness. If I was in the darkness a lot. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would have... Probably, like, a big mm. item would be Celestial yeah. Bronze, and, like, a small, like, secret item would be the Stitchy and Iron. Yeah. I agree The Imperial Gold, you can probably spy it from really far I away. know. Like, it's also, probably it- really bright. It feels kind of like a douchebag vibe, where it's like, oh, I want my weapon to be just radiating color. Like, oh, yours is bronze, while mine is gold, so. Yeah, and it's like blinds me sometimes if the sun hits it right when I'm fighting. Yeah, because yeah. I'm blessed by the gods. I know. <laughs> but oh, you would get more money if you tried to sell that, so. That is true, but then I would be, I would be weaponless, so yeah, I can't even sell selling it. it. Yeah, start an underground black market <laughs> for imperial gold weapons Whew, okay so next time we get to, to get into some of those curses that aaron was talking mm-hmm. about with chapters 25 through 32 we get hazel and percy exciting and if you are interested in supporting us you know where to find us patreon link is in the episode description and the link to send an audio message will also be in there if you ever want to hear your lovely voice on an episode as you can see we love getting your lightning bolt questions so if you have any more just want to interact our socials are at camp half pod and our email is camp at gmail.com and don't forget to give us five stars wherever you listen and leave a lovely review Bye-bye.